All right. Good morning. If we can start making our way to our seats, we'll get started this morning. All right. Great. You ready to go? All right. All right, good morning, Gateway. It's great to see everybody this morning on this beautiful August Sunday. Coming down the home stretch. Kids, you guys excited for school? Woo! Parents, y'all excited for school? Yeah, I was about to say. All right. Well, considering we have a lot of wonderful homeschoolers, a lot will be here on campus over the next few weeks getting ready. But it's great to see everybody this morning. I want to welcome all of you to Gateway Baptist Church. Welcome everybody watching us online as well. If you're visiting with us for the first time or been here a few weeks, we just want to send you a special greeting. We're so glad you're here. Hope you have felt welcome and loved as you've entered today. We got a lot going on. So excited in the life of our body. We got a lot of announcements this morning. Uh, what's going on? So let's get right to it. Uh, Wednesday nights are starting up again in a week and a half. Not this Wednesday, but the next, August 16th. We will be starting back here on campus. With our Wednesday night schedule, very excited. There's something for every age group. We'll be kicking things off at 6 p.m. on August 16th. Our children will continue through with Kids Club, where they will be going through the Gospel Project for Kids. Um, our teenagers with us, the youth, who are so excited. We're going to be going through a series through the fall on the names of God. And uh, it's going to kind of go coincide with what Grady's going to be doing, where we get to see the names of God and learn about God's nature and his character. And then for the adults, we're going to change it up a little bit this fall. We're going to have a little different time this semester. So at 6 p.m., all the adults will gather in this room here in the sanctuary, and we're going to have a time together of Bible study together on the attributes of God. We're going to go over, I would say, about 19 to 20 weeks of uh, learning um, detailed aspects of God's nature and his attributes. And then when we're finished with the Bible study, about 45 minutes in, we're going to split up into small groups. We will go into the other building. There will be a men's small group, a ladies' small group, and then a small group for couples to talk about this, uh, the attributes, to talk about the study, and then to pray with one another and share life together to go deeper into the study. So very excited about Wednesday nights kicking off. We encourage you guys to be a part of that. And just go ahead and plug it now, please. This week, get on our website, gatewaybaptist.com, go to the news and events page and the connect tab, and it will just show you everything that's coming up, things we're talking about today, other things coming up in the future, to just find different ways to be able to get involved and uh, sharing community with us here. Ladies, next week, this coming Saturday, from 9 to 12 is the next homemakers workshop for the ladies. Going to be doing food preservation and composting. Woo! Great topic. So, um, Alana Taylor and my wife Nikki will be heading this up. So you'll be learning, as it says up there, about canning and fermenting and turning them kitchen scraps into compost for your garden. So very exciting time this Saturday, 12, uh, 9 a.m. to 12, over in the gym building in room one. Uh, I invite you guys to be a part of that. Visitors, so glad you're here. If you've been visiting with us, today's your first day over the last few weeks. Um, and you want to get to know us a little better, get to know what we're all about here at Gateway and our DNA, uh, we, we offer these things called the Discover Gateway Lunch. The next one is happening in two weeks, August 20th at our pastor's home. He and Julia host it, and they provide a wonderful meal. Some of our leadership come, and it's just a great way to get to know a little bit more about us as Gateway 
And so it's Sunday, August 20th, after worship. It is the official first step toward membership if you want to become a part of our faith family. And details and registration are on the website. So if you want to be a part of that, please go there to register so Judy, uh, Julia and Grady can prepare accordingly with the food. So, and any other opportunities that you may have questions about our body, things going on, please come talk to me. Get on our website. We'd love for you to connect in a deeper way um, with our body here and just get involved in each other's lives for encouragement in what God is doing. Now, the last two announcements have to do with something happening tomorrow. We're very excited tomorrow specifically. The first is there's a wonderful celebration that just came to fruition. Uh, we heard about it just this other week. Tomorrow, we're going to celebrate a wonderful family here in our body, the Obedience, an adoption celebration tomorrow at 4 p.m. I'm just going to read this little blurb, um, just what God has done over the past few years. Obedient family started fostering a baby about seven years ago and four biological siblings and many years later, and with many DHR court dates, the obedience are now finally, praise God, able to officially adopt these five young children. Yes. God is so good. Um, ben and Jessica have been just a beautiful display of the gospel over these years of taking care of these precious children, being there for them. We as a faith family have come alongside to love them, to serve them, to support them. And so we're thrilled to be able to celebrate tomorrow. So please join us tomorrow. Those that can make it at 4 p.m., we're going to celebrate with the family. It's going to be about an hour from 4 to 5 um, to celebrate, to encourage them, to pray for them. And then, as we segue, we're going to have a moment that we can leave tomorrow from that event and then come together as a faith family to enjoy a time that Seth Rodebeck, one of our former elders, is going to kind of share about. Hey, guys. Yeah, my name's Seth. I lead with Megan, my wife, the HOPES Ministry, which stands for Helping Our Public Education System. So four things with that. Tomorrow night at 530, we're going to meet over at Capitol Heights Middle School with school getting ready to start. We're, we always, this is our sixth year of just getting the campus ready. We put out pine straw, we pick up trash, uh, we, we weed eat, we do all kind of things. There's a couple special projects we're going to do. It's going to involve carrying some boxes, so I'm going to need some help with that. Um, but if you can't do physical labor, if you can just come and just pray over the campus, it's always a wonderful time that we just pray the promises of God over this campus. And as the body of Christ shows up, the school is always blown away. And this does a lot of help for us. So please register, if you would, on the website. So that way we can make sure and have plenty of chicken sandwiches ready for all of you to come. So 530, come ready to eat a chicken sandwich and get to work and pray over the campus. Um, the second thing, we're getting ready with the start of the school year to start our Tuesday morning Bible study. This will be our 13th year, I think, doing that. So if you have any interest in that, we meet Tuesday mornings, 7 a.m. at Capitol Heights, and we do a before-school Bible study for about 30 minutes. So if you want to come be a part of that, please come talk to me. The third thing is that our after-school tutoring program, we're getting ready to start year three of that. So that's Thursday evenings, Thursday afternoons. If you're interested in that at all, we just tutor some kids. We share the love of Christ with kids. And the big need we have is that we provide a meal for the students and their families so we can sit down and fellowship with them. So we'll be sending out an email soon and allow you to sign up to provide a meal for about 20 to 30 people. And I just, I have been blown away for two years. Every week, someone has brought a meal for 20 to 30 people. It's just amazing. And I thank you guys, your love, your grace, your kindness to serve. And so let me know if you want to be involved with tutoring. There's a need for some child care, that, that kind of thing. So just let me know if you want to be involved in that. And the last thing is... I have need of a laptop in relation to this ministry. I won't get into the whole story, but we've got a student. So really, um, it's kind of a crisis need we have right now in terms of a child being taken care of. 
We're going to try to get her enrolled in school and get her going on that. So if anyone has an old laptop that you're not using and would like to give to this ministry, please see me about that as well. Thank you guys so much. Seth and Megan, thank you so much for your service over these past decade and more, just faithfully helping in that regard. So we're very excited about what God is doing. The Lord's at work, amen? Amen. So we're here to rejoice and to worship him because he is worthy of our praise. Let's stand together and prepare our hearts. And I was just reminded again, a very common and wonderful psalm that we love just to prepare our hearts. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds and praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound and praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with trampoline and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let us praise the Lord. Separate us. What now 
Oh, oh, oh. 
kingdoms rise and fall, there is still one King reigning over all. So I will not fear, for this truth remains that my God is the ancient of days. Oh, it shall remain. 
some pause, sometimes a pause so you can join in. But let me start with Psalm 16, 7 to 9. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness and tremble before him all of the earth. Well, we are in his courts today, and the offering is ourselves. And so let's, let's go to him and give him some of the glory he's due and uh, lift some concerns that we have individually to him. We, we lift you high. You are due all glory. And when we reflect what we deserve from you, what we have earned as a consequence of our lives, it is not the blessings that you have provided us with. It is, it is damnation. And we thank you for the blessings that you have brought us into your family and that you love us and you shower us with grace, none of which we deserve. Father, we just, we just lift you high. We lift you, we lift you high. And right to start we just want to come before you and as a as a living sacrifice just pause for a minute and express how how much we have failed you this week this day and what we've done and what we've not done and we just want to bring that before you and and get right with you in, in this way in great name thank you that you do not have condemnation for us, but you have forgiveness and you have love. You are our Heavenly Father. We thank you that you respond to us in, in that wonderful way. Father God, we, we know even as we pray, you tell us without me, you can do nothing. And so what we're doing here today, what we do with our lives, if you're not a part of that and you're not leading that it is nothing and we just we just want you to reign and to direct 
help us to be sensitive to your spirit. Help us to be sensitive to your direction. Your Holy Spirit is within us. Help us to listen. Help us to have ears to hear as we go about. We, we pray for the students that um, CJ mentioned, the folks going back to school at every level, um, all the way from daycare up to college and the people who will be teaching them. And we just pray for excitement there, I guess. We pray for a patience. We pray for your hand in that work. And uh, we just lift up the folks that are that are going back to study and, and, uh, and, and teaching in those in those areas. Jesus, you are a teacher, and you had pupils, and they were challenging things to learn, and we pray that we are receptive, that we're listening, that we are attentive to what you would teach us individually as we go through our lives and the situations that we're in. We lift up people who are sick, who are going through difficult times with surgery or recovery from that now and just pray for your hand of comfort on them. We thank you for doctors, we thank you for medicine, we look to you as the great healer. You can use those things and you can heal without it. We thank you for, for the work that you're doing. We pray for um, positive consequences as, as, a con as, as folks go forward. We, we lift up our leaders. We have elections happening here even this month, I think, and all the other things. We just pray for the leaders that you have in our city, in our, at, our, at the state level, and at our national level. Kings are under your command. Leaders at every level are under your command, and you turn their hearts in what way you desire. We pray that you'll turn them to godliness, to rule right on behalf of the, the people and for their benefit. We, uh, we lift up those that are serving and pastors here in Montgomery and beyond and those that are serving in ministries of different kinds here in our area and, and overseas that we know 
Father God, we thank you that we are in a circumstance where we can come and worship freely. And we just lift up those that don't have that opportunity, don't have that blessing to be able to be here and to be a part of the community of Christ, your body in person, and to be able to, to encourage one another, love one another, challenge one another. We thank you for that opportunity. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in different parts of the world who do not have that. We lift up in particular Mark down in Haiti. And we pray for the work that you're doing in and through he and his church to minister to the people in his, his area. We pray for, pray for him and the perseverance that your spirit would move in that, in that place. Father God, we lift up offering that's giving. We are the offering. We are the main offering that you desire. And we pray that we will be living sacrifice in your hands, that we will stay on the altar. But we pray for the financial resources in terms of that offering. And just pray for it to be multiplied, um, you, uh, you to use it for your kingdom and your glory. And we pray for Grady as he opens up your word and that your truth will penetrate. Give us ears to hear hearts to to absorb what you are saying and how it applies to us individually as we go uh, as we as we hear this morning as we go throughout this day in Jesus name and first the fourth graders you are dismissed to kids worship if you'd like to go so you're with Mr. Tom this morning so the first of fourth graders you can head to kids worship parents just a reminder you'll pick them up in the blue hallway in the gym building as soon as the service is over then come back in fellowship with all of your friends why don't you find Matthew chapter 6 in your copy of God's Word as the kids are head out. Matthew chapter 6 this morning. I am thankful to be back with you today. I am so grateful for the vacation time that you grant me to rest and to be with my family. We had, as some of you know, a whirlwind 19-day trip to span 5,096 miles in the car with four kids. Um, it was fun. We saw seven national parks and got to see breathtaking parts of God's creation that I hadn't seen before Maybe even more excited about beginning our study through Genesis 1 to 11 that will begin in two weeks. But we're not to Genesis yet. Today we're in the home stretch of a study on prayer. Now, four weeks ago, Greg cast the vision for this study. And the reason we're doing this is because all of us on the elder team feel a burden that God wants to grow us in prayer. Now, this is not a guilt trip for us just to try harder and to pray more, but it's a burden we have and a desire we have for God to use His Word as we study it together to grow us in prayer, to grow our desire to commune with Him in prayer, to grow our talking with Him about everything in faith, and to do so in our personal lives, to do so as we're families together, and to do so as we're corporately together as a church. So four weeks ago, we began with what prayer is, how it's communing with God and talking with Him. We then looked at the posture, the attitude of prayer, how we address God as Father and how we remember His holiness and His sovereignty and how that drives our prayers. Then in recent weeks, we've looked at the different types of prayers, praise and adoration, as we worship God for who He is. As we look at lament, as we grieve the brokenness of the world. And then as we look at confession, how we seek God's forgiveness for sins. Today we come to one last type of prayer that we're going to address in this study, and that's a type of prayer that we would just call asking. Asking for God for things in prayer. Now this sometimes gets divided into two types of prayer. Some people talk about petitions. That's where you're asking God for things for yourself. And then intercession where you're asking God for things for others. The differentiation is quite simply just who 
is in focus here. Is it prayers for ourselves or prayers for others? But both types of prayers, petition and intercession, is really both asking. Asking God to move on our behalf and the behalf of others. Asking God to do things in our own life and in the lives of others. Asking God to provide for us and to provide for others as well. And to help us explore the riches of this privilege we have of asking God for things in prayer, I want us to return to a text this morning that we looked at several years ago when we did our rooted study, our catechism study, the text that Rick introduced to us three weeks ago, and that's Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. The, perhaps this better term, the model prayer, because this is not what Jesus prayed. This is what Jesus told us to pray. Now, before we look at Matthew 6 and the model prayer here, there's a warning that I want us to begin this message with today. And the warning for us as we think about asking God for things in prayer is it's possible to ask wrongly in prayer. Yes, there are types of prayers that we should not pray. And three things in particular come to mind are types of prayers we should not pray. Number one is asking God to give us sinful things. Asking God to give us sinful things. We see a warning for this in James chapter 4, verse 3. James 4, 3, I think we have that on the screen for you. You ask and you do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly. That means it's possible in our prayers to ask wrongly for things. And what makes this particular type of prayer wrong? Because we're asking God so we can spend it on our passions. Our passions means our pleasures, our evil, sinful desires. So we're praying wrongly when we're asking God to give us things that his word says are sinful. Or when we're asking God to give us good things, but we have sinful reasons for wanting them. This would include prayers the students might pray, Lord, help me not get caught cheating on this test. That would be one of these type prayers not to pray. Or, Lord, I know your word says I shouldn't have fill in the blank, but God, I really want it anyway. Help me get it. It's a prayer for sinful things. Second type of prayer we should not pray are hypocritical prayers. Hypocritical prayers. What do I mean by that? This is asking God to do things for us when we have zero desire to follow God in our lives. Demanding of God, God, you do this for me when we turn our backs on what God has revealed for us in his word. Now, First Peter, when we studied that last year, warned us about this. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 is one of the places we see this. We're told the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober for the sake of your prayers. That we need to remember when we studied that, the word sober-minded or sober meant to think rightly about God. For our prayers to be the prayers, the asking that God wants them to be, we need to be thinking rightly about him. And Peter applies that truth in a really hard way to the married men. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, he says this, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. And notice this, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, we looked at this verse when we studied First Peter this past year. But if you remember in this, what this verse is warning of us as men is walking in before God and demanding God, God, you have to do this for me when we're turning our back on those covenant obligations God has given to us. And he teaches here that our prayers will be hindered if we're going to God demanding of things with no interest in following God and what God has said. And one last type of prayer we're warned about is prideful prayers. Prayers that we say so that other people notice us. And just before our text today, we see this warning in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus tells the disciples, when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. 
So we're warned in Scripture it's possible to pray wrongly if we pray for sinful things. It's possible to pray wrongly if we're praying for okay things, but because we have sinful motivations for those. It's wrong to pray hypocritical prayers, demanding God do things for us when we have no desire to follow God. And it's also wrong to pray prideful prayers where we're praying not because we love God, but because we want to impress other people. So that's what we're not to pray, what we're not to ask for. What then should we pray? That's a question the disciples asked Jesus. I love it. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it's a great request they make. Luke 11, 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Friends, what a great request to make of God. Lord, teach us to pray. What a great desire to have, and what a great prayer to pray. And friends, I want to encourage you. This is a prayer I need to pray every day, and a prayer you need to pray every day as, as well. Lord, teach me how to pray. Lord, grow me in what I'm asking for in prayer. And so kind of following what William had done, I guess the Lord kind of impressed us in the same way. I don't want to just talk about prayer. I want to pause along the way this morning and not just not pray on your behalf, but you pray as well. So as we begin this morning, I want to pause and where you're seated, we take just a moment and pray that prayer to the Lord. Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, you've heard the prayers of your people. And what a great prayer to pray, Lord. We confess none of us are where we want to be in our prayer lives, whether individually or with our families or corporately. So, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Would you stir our heart affections to want you more, to commune more with you? Would you be drawing us through the work of your Holy Spirit closer to you to where we desire more prayer, more communing with you and talking with you? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we saw what not to ask for in prayer. So what does God want us to ask for in prayer? As we pray that prayer, Lord, teach me to pray. What does the Lord say? Okay, this is what I want you to pray about. And that's where the beauty of Matthew chapter 6, it shows us several things the Lord desires for us to ask him in prayer. Several things the Lord wants each of us to be praying. So look for what we're to be praying in Matthew chapter 6. Our text today is verses 9 to 13. So can I ask you to stand please in honor of the reading of the word of God. We're going to unpack these verses this morning, but let's look at them together. Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 to 13. I'm reading out the English Standard Version. We'll also have the words on the screen for you. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is unchanging. We thank you that your word transforms us. So we ask today that your Holy Spirit would take your word and use it to transform us and to change us and to grow us in how we talk to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So what does God want us to talk to him about in prayer? Before we can answer that question, we need to see how this text is framed. To pray the way God wants us to pray, to ask for the things that God wants us to ask for. First of all, friends, we need to remember God's nature. We need to remember his attributes. Remembering who God is is so essential for praying correctly. Because God is not some genie in a bottle waiting for us to give our three requests for the day. God is not some weak being in heaven who needs us to pray. God is not some weak being going, oh, I'm glad you told me that. I had no idea that was happening. Friends, what we believe about God will shape how we 
pray. And so the Lord's Prayer begins not with us or our need. The Lord's Prayer here begins with the truth of who God is. And Rick showed us these several weeks ago, but I want to remind us of this because it shapes all the requests that follow. Go back to verse 9, because in verse 9 we see, as Rick pointed out, two attributes of God here. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first thing we see about God here is that God is sovereign. You see this in this phrase, our Father in heaven. This is describing for us God's rule, his reign over all things. We are praying to a God who already knows everything before we even open our mouth, who already has a plan before we even make our request, and who is in control of all things. That means we are not praying to give God information. We are not praying to tell God what to do. Rather, we're making a request for our Father who has all wisdom, who has a perfect plan, who is powerful, and who knows what is best and invites us to come talk to him about all that we are going through. And so to pray and to ask according to God's will, we need to remember he is sovereign. There's a second attribute of his here in verse 9, and that's that in that phrase, hallowed be your name, reminds us that God is holy. God is holy. He's holy. He's hallowed. He's set apart. And friends, if we can remember that God is holy when we start to pray, it will guard us from asking a holy God for sinful things. It will guard us from asking a holy God for good things that we want for sinful reasons. And it will guard us as we remember the holiness of God from, from praying for a place of hypocrisy to be noticed or a place of pride, of wanting attention. These will help guard our hearts as we pray if we remember that God is sovereign and God is holy. And so with that framing how we pray, what then do we ask God for in prayer? And those next five phrases that follow show us five things that we can ask God for in prayer. As we look at these five things, I want to ask yourself, how much do I pray like this? As I think about my last week and how much I prayed with my family and with my friends privately, how much of my prayer life reflects these five things that Jesus models for us? When the disciples say, teach us to pray, and Jesus teaches them these things, how much do our prayers reflect the way Jesus taught us to pray? So five things we should be praying about daily. Number one, for the gospel to change lives. For the gospel to change the lives. The gospel is that incredible truth, that incredible joyful truth, friends, that sinners like us who deserve nothing but condemnation from God have been rescued, not because of anything we've done, but because Christ came, because he lived a perfect life. He fulfilled the law we break every day. He died on a cross and took the punishment we deserved in a moment. So all of our sin got put on him. All of his perfection got applied to us so we can walk in the presence of a holy God, clothed not in our own righteousness, but in Jesus' righteousness. That's the message of the gospel, and that is where this text starts. Now, that's humbling for me because that's not where my prayers normally start. My focus when I start talking to God about prayers are usually not about the gospel. It's not about what I want in my own heart. But notice how Jesus models when he talks about praying like this. Once the first request in verse 10, he says, Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Now, we talk about the kingdom of God. We've already said God is sovereign over all things. We talk about the kingdom of God coming. We're talking about God's reign over his people's lives, where God's reign is advancing in the world. So when we talk about his people coming, or his kingdom coming, we're talking about people believing the gospel. We're talking about the gospel changing lives as people see God for who he is, as people believe in him, as people begin to worship him. And so this prayer, God, let your kingdom come, is a desire for the gospel to be changing lives. So we pray God, let your kingdom come. We're asking for people to come to know God. We're asking for people to surrender to God. We're asking for people to begin to live for God. Now, I said at the beginning, as we talk about asking prayers, there's petitions that we ask for ourselves, and there's intercessions that we make for others. 
So often, I think as believers, we've lost the wonder of the gospel. And we talk about this type of prayer, God, let your kingdom come. We're just thinking about the lost out there. But this is a prayer from my heart and prayer for your heart as well. This is a prayer we need to be praying for ourselves. God, let your kingdom come in my life as well. And friends, honestly, that's a bit terrifying. If you think about what Greg and Rick have shared over the last several weeks, they've talked about prayer being replacing our will with God's will, this exchange that takes place. And when we pray, God, let your kingdom come, we're saying, God, I want your will to be done, not just my own. Paul Tripp, who is a biblical counselor, I like you hear me quote him periodically, describes this prayer in a way that was really awakening to me this week. Paul Tripp says, I do not think you could pray a more dangerous word than this, thy kingdom come. If we truly understood what we were saying, we would pause before inviting such upheaval through our door. If we really understood what we were praying, thy kingdom come, we would pause before we consider inviting such upheaval through our door. This often overused and underestimated petition can only be answered by turning our lives upside down and inside out. Friends, this prayer for your kingdom to come is not just a prayer out there, though it is for that. It's a prayer for God to be conquering our own hearts, to let the gospel grip my heart, to let me live for God's kingdom and God's plan, not my own. Like we said, this is also prayers of intercession. We pray this for others. We pray for other believers. We know that God would give them a hunger to live for his kingdom purpose. We pray this for the lost people. We know that God would open their eyes and the gospel would take root in their lives and God would capture their hearts so they begin to worship God. And we pray this for the unreached people groups of the world, for God to send the gospel to places like the Uyghurs of China who have not heard the name of Christ or to the people in faraway nations that do not have access to the gospel. We pray, God, your kingdom come in my life and the lives of the people of Gateway and my friends' lives and in the lives of the nations. So this is both prayer for myself and prayer for others. Verse 10, God, your kingdom come. So before we move on to the next prayer, I want to take just a moment like we did earlier. And I want you to pray that. Would you think about the gravity of that prayer, inviting upheaval from the Lord in your life and say, God, would you let your kingdom come? Would let the gospel take root in my life? And then pray for someone lost you know, for the gospel to penetrate their life. Pray for the nations. Take a minute and let's pray this to the Lord. God, let your kingdom come. Father, I pray you would grow us in understanding the gravity of what we are just praying. God, let your kingdom come in my life. God, we confess so often we are living for our kingdoms, not yours. And so, God, we confess as a people we need the gospel as much today as when we first believed. God, help guard us from thinking the gospel is just for the lost people out there. God, the gospel is for me today because I need reminding of who you are and how wicked my heart is and how much I need your grace each and every day. God, we pray as as your people today, let your kingdom come in each of our lives. Let your kingdom come here at Gateway. And God, we do pray for the lost we know, whether they're neighbors, whether they're classmates at school, co-workers, and Lord, ultimately the nations. God, let your kingdom go forth. Let the gospel take root in the lives of non-believers so that you are worshiped as you deserve by peoples all around the world. God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's the first prayer that Jesus models. Again, this is where he starts, which is so often not where I start as I pray. God, let your kingdom come. But there's a second prayer that Jesus models next for us here, and it's so closely related. Notice the very next phrase in verse 10. <coughs> let your will be done on earth as it is 
in heaven. Let your will be done. Now, the great reformer Martin Luther said, this is a fearful prayer. Again, this is another one of those prayers that we recite over and over. God, let your will be done. We don't think about the gravity of what we're praying. The reality is this is the opposite so much of what we ask for in prayer. Because if I look at my own prayer life, so much of what I'm asking for is God, do my will. God, this is what I want. Now make it happen. So much of our prayers are our own will, not surrendering to God's will. Again, Paul Tripp, the biblical counselor I like so much, said this. He said, in much of our prayer, we're actually asking God to endorse our pursuit of self-focused little glories. Think about that. In our prayers, and much of them, we're asking God to endorse our pursuit of self-focused little glories. But he says, but we phrase it to make it not sound quite so selfish. And he gives some examples. We pray things like, God, give me wisdom at work. But what we really mean by that is, Lord, I want to make more money and acquire more power here, so give me the right decisions to get to that end. Or we pray things like, God, would you alleviate my financial woes? But what we really mean by that is, God, I want to have more money to spend on my pleasures and possessions so that I will be happy. We spiritualize prayer and say, God, would you help my children to be more respectful in public? But what we really mean by that is, I really want my evenings to be more peaceful so I can get done what I want to get done. We pray things like, God, would you work in the heart of my spouse? But what we're really asking is, God, I want an easy way to the marriage of my dreams so you, you go make it happen in their life. We pray things like, God, give me a better relationship with my neighbor. But we're actually saying, Lord, would you please give me a way to get my neighbors to have their dog stop barking so it doesn't wake me up at night? Or we say things like, God, please heal my body. But what we're really asking is, God, I want to do the things I want to do, so heal my body so I can do those. Now, friends, let me be clear here. It's not wrong for us to pray about those things. We'll see this in a minute. It's good for us to pray for wisdom at work. It's good for us to pray about our financial needs. It is good for us to pray for our children. It's good for us to pray for God to work in the hearts of our spouses. It's good for us to pray for good relationships with our neighbors. It's good for us to pray for physical healing. We should be praying for all that. But Paul Tripp's point is our hearts. That so often when we pray about those things, our heart attitude's at the wrong place. We're not going to the Lord saying, Lord, I desire these things so I can do your will, so I can fulfill your calling on my life. We're going to the Lord saying, Lord, I want this because I have this dream. Now make it happen so I can get there. We're going to the Lord not surrendering to his will. We're going to the Lord with our will instead. So we pray this terrifying prayer, God, let your will be done in my life, in the life of my kids, in the life of my church, among the nations, we are asking God to show us his will, which as we've seen over and over is found in scripture and scripture alone. So this prayer, God, let your will be done, is a prayer going, Lord, help me know your will. Give me a hunger for your word. Help me point others to your word. God, give us a desire for your grace. Now, if you're thinking, this is a hard prayer to pray, I'm not even sure how I would phrase this. This is where scripture is so helpful. See Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, because if you're struggling in how to pray, one of the best things to do is to find prayers in Scripture and pray those. If you're going, Lord, I don't know how to pray your will, find prayers in Scripture. And this is one of those. Paul is praying, Paul is writing Colossians, is praying for the people at Colossae. And of all the things that Paul could pray for, notice what he prayed for the people in Colossae. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you. Great, that's fantastic. Now, what is Paul praying? Asking, this is what this whole thing is about, asking God in prayer asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, verse 10, so that when you're filled with the knowledge of God's will, what happens? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 
Friends, if you're struggling to know how to pray things like the will of God, take Colossians 1, 9, and pray that out loud back to God. Joe, can you go back to verse 9 again? If we'll push it back one verse. You pray things like this. You just take the scripture and pray it. God, would you fill me with the knowledge of your will? God, I don't have the answers you do. God, fill me with your knowledge. God, would you grow me in spiritual, under, spiritual wisdom? God, would you give me understanding far beyond anything I have myself? Let me go back to verse 10 up there. And God, would you bear the fruit of that? God, would you help me walk in a way that pleases you? Would you help me be pleasing to you? God, would you produce in my life fruit that honors you? God, I want to increase in the knowledge of you. So God, would you grow my hunger for your word? You just take verses like that, friends, and you pray them back to God. Because when you pray those verses to God, you can be confident you're praying the will of God because you're praying the very words of God back to him. So this, this model prayer begins for us with a prayer for the gospel to go forth in our life and the life of others. God, let your kingdom come. It follows up with a prayer for God's will to transform us. God, your will be done in my life, in my church, in my friends, and among the nations. So again, friends, before we move on to the third prayer, would you pause for just a minute and pray and ask God what we just saw in verses 9 and 10 of Colossians to fill you with the knowledge of his will and to pray that for others you know also. Father, these are some terrifying prayers to pray. But we know you're good and you invite us and you model for us. You tell us to pray these things, to have you conquer our wills and to replace our wills with your wills, to have your gospel take root in our hearts. And so Lord, we pray that for ourselves, that God, that you would be shaping and molding us to be a people who long to know your will as revealed in Scripture, who long to live out your will and who want not our will to be done, but your will to be done. Lord, you see the pride of our hearts and we confess that to you. And we ask, God, that you would be making us a people who hunger for your will and your ways. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so two types of prayers so far that we should be asking God for in prayer. The gospel go forth and God's will to be done. The third one is perhaps what we pray for the most, and that's provision for our physical needs. Provision for our physical needs. Look at verse 11. Short verse, but it means just what it says. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. God is inviting us to, <coughs> to ask him to provide for our physical needs. Now, why does God ask us to invite or invites us to ask about our physical needs? Friends, we live in a culture of affluence, right? A land of plenty, a place of self-sufficiency. And so, so often for us as believers here in this culture, we fix everything ourselves. And then only in dire situations do we run to God to ask for provision when we can't figure out how to fix it ourselves. That's not the way God wants us to be. Yes, God calls us to work hard, to provide for ourselves so we can bless others. But God wants us to be praying about our physical needs because he wants us to be dependent upon him. Friends, when we ask God to provide and then we trust him and we work hard and we ask him to move, it creates a worshipful dependence upon him. God doesn't want us to be people who are just white-knuckled, determined, and just grip really hard onto life and work hard and make money. Yes, he calls us to work hard, but he wants us to depend primarily on him. This means we should not be timid about talking to God about anything we need. There is no prayer too small, nothing so trivial in our life that God says, no, you really shouldn't be wasting my time asking about that. God invites us to ask him about anything we need. But if you look back at this verse, you may be thinking it doesn't say anything about needs. It just says, give us today our daily bread. My friends, bread at the time was a staple diet at that time. It was a primary food provision. So Jesus is using that to represent every need that we could possibly have. That means, again, there's no need too trivial 
to talk to God about. So when a kid has a runny nose, yes, it's good to pray about the runny nose. If there's some big financial need, yes, it's good to pray about that financial need. God invites us and commands us to bring our needs before him, trusting him to provide. And so we pray that for ourselves. We ask God for the strength to be able to work hard to provide. We ask God to be the provider of all of our needs. We ask God to grow in us a deep trust in him. We pray this for others. Because, friends, you all know people with financial needs, whether it's the kid at Capitol Heights who needs a laptop, whether it's someone in our church body who's struggling financially, whether it's a friend of yours who you know has this medical bill they can't pay, whatever it might be, as you're aware of it, God calls us to pray for them as well. But don't miss something. As you pray about someone's financial need, God may be leading you to step in to help meet that need and to provide for them. So God calls us to pray about all of our financial needs. So again, would you pause where you're seated and take just a minute and pray for yourself that God would grow in you a reliance and a dependence on him. And if you know of other people who have financial needs, would you take a minute and ask God to provide for that need? Would you do that for just a moment? Lord, you are the provider. You tell us in your word that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything is yours. You made it. It all belongs to you. And Lord, we desire to be good stewards of it. So we look to you to be the one who provides what we need. Lord, you know those in this body who are struggling financially. I pray even this week that you would be showing them how you are their provider. Lord, we think about the world. We think about like Pastor Mark and Haiti and the great needs they have for food and resources there. And we ask that you would provide and show us how you want us to be involved in meeting that and other needs. Lord, you are the provider. Help us trust you as the provider. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've seen three of the five prayers here. And I want you to notice something in this. What we just looked at, the prayer for physical needs, it's what most of us think about the most and dominates our prayer life. It's only one-fifth of this prayer. The first two were about God's purposes, God's will, God's kingdom going forth, the gospel going forth. We see the one here praying for needs, but then the next two are all about spiritual needs. Don't miss that. Only 20% of this prayer is about physical needs. But think about what we, if your prayers are like my prayers, what dominates most of our prayers? Sickness, financial things, needs in kids' lives, needs in friends' lives, needs in our own lives. We go to God so often with our physical needs, and we should, friends, but the prayer is much broader than that, and I hope you see that. And so the last two types of prayers we need to pray are about spiritual needs. So prayer number four here is prayers for the forgiveness of sins. Now, we're not going to elaborate long on this because uh, Rick already preached on this one a few weeks ago, but look at verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. This is such a reminder that we owe a debt to God, that I offend God every day with my sin. You offend God every day with your sin. And so we need forgiveness from Lord. We need to be restored to a right relationship with him. So the part of our daily pattern of prayer is confessing our sins to God and seeking his forgiveness. Now, again, for some of you, you've never seen that model. And you're going, okay, I've got to do this. Like, Lord, I blew it again. Sorry. Like, what do you say to the Lord to confess your sins and to seek forgiveness? And once again, friends, if you're struggling to know how to pray, look at the prayers of Scripture. So, for example, Psalm 19, verses 12 to 14. It's a great prayer for us to pray. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Verse 13, he cares. And keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Friends, if you're struggling with a sin area and you're going, my confession seems kind of repetitive, Lord, I'm sorry I did it again, help me. 
Pray Psalm 19 back to the Lord. God, let my words and what I think about be pleasing your sight. Holy Spirit, change me on that. Psalm 19, you do the same thing from Psalm 51, verses 9 and 10. You see another prayer you can pray to confess your sins. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Then in verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Friends, what would my life be different like if that was my cry every morning? What would your life be different if every morning you woke up and this was the desire of your heart? God, create in me a clean heart today. God, renew a right spirit within me. So verse 12, the fourth type of prayer we're to pray, we're to pray, God, forgive us our debts. We pray that for ourselves and we pray for other believers. The same thing, that, that God would open their eyes to their sin, that they would be freed from the deceptiveness of sin. We pray that for the loss, that they would cry out to God, that God would draw them to himself and they would see their need of him. So again, as we already prayed early, would you pause for just a minute where you are and ask God to show you your sins, to confess your sins. And would you pray for the lost, you know, that they would cry out to God for forgiveness as well. Father, we thank you for the promise of your word that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I pray that would be a treasure to my heart and the heart of these brothers and sisters. And God, that you would let us be a people who daily see our sin, who are quick to confess our sins before you, who are quick to experience your sweet forgiveness. Well, we know there's many around us, perhaps even people in our own homes who do not believe and who do not know the joy of being forgiven by you. And we pray that the gospel would go forth to them even today, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So one last prayer to pray. And again, this is not for physical needs. One last prayer on the spiritual front here. And that is number five is a prayer to ask God to free us from sin's power. A prayer to ask God to free us from the power of sin in our lives. Look at verse 13 here. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Friends, this is another humbling, terrifying prayer because this prayer acknowledges that there's no sin that I could not commit. And there's no sin that you could not commit. None of us are above any type of sin. If we ever get to the place to go and think, I could never do that, we're probably pretty close to falling. Because there's no sin beyond the reach of any single one of us. Apart from the grace of God, you and I can do anything. So this prayer, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, is a prayer for God's transforming grace. For God to keep us close to himself. For God to restrain us from following our sinful desires. And once again, if you're going, okay, how do I pray this without just repeating these words? Another great model for this is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, we're promised that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you might be able to endure it. Friends, let me encourage you to memorize that, meditate on this one, write this one down over and over. And whatever that stronghold of sin in your life where you keep struggling and the lies of the enemy keep saying you will never change, to pray this. God, you have promised me that no temptation, whatever this is that's in my life right now, is not common to us. And God, you are faithful. I thank you, God, that you're faithful. Give me the ability right now to find the way of escape. God, help me endure this and not give in. And to pray this back to the Lord as a promise of God to you that he is freeing you from sin's power over you. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay, friends, this is a prayer not just for ourselves. I need this prayed for me, and I hope you'll pray this for me and for all the elders and the deacons and your Sunday school teachers and your life group leaders, that God will guard us from our own sinful tendencies. And this is something for you to pray for your loved one as well. Parents, this needs to be a prayer 
every day for your children. God, guard my children from temptation. God, deliver them from their own evil desires. This is what we should be praying for our friends and for one another. So would you take just a minute, one last time here, and where you see, would you pause and would you pray for God to free you from sin's power in your life and pray that for others you know as well. Father, you've told us that our hearts are deceitful. Okay, our hearts' simple tendencies are so strong. And so, Lord, I pray that today that you would, as we go through the rest of this day and throughout this week, God, that you would lead us not to temptation, but you would deliver us from evil, from the evil desires within us, from the temptations without. And God, that you would let us be a people who long to follow you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's bring all that together now. So we looked at the, at the Lord's Prayer here. What are we to be asking God in prayer? So think about asking in prayer. And here's the big picture of this text I want you to see this morning. It's quite, it's quite simply this. With the holiness and the sovereignty of God in view, we pray. We pray asking God to accomplish his purposes and to meet the spiritual and physical needs of ourselves and others. So big picture, what do we ask for in prayer? We begin by not asking. We begin by remembering God is sovereign and God is holy. And we let that shape how we pray. And from that place of knowing who God is, that he's all wise, that he is in control, that he is holy, we pray. We pray not starting with our will. God, fulfill all my little glories. We say, go to the Lord and we say, God, we want you to accomplish your purposes. We want your will to be done. We want your kingdom to advance. And from there we then pray with much joy and much freedom and much hope for all the spiritual and physical needs we have and that others have as well. For the holiness and the sovereignty of God in view, we pray, asking God to accomplish his purposes and to meet the spiritual and physical needs of ourselves and others. So the question for us, friends, are we praying like that? It's been so convicting this week studying through this because I've realized so much of my prayers are the asking for the physical needs, which we should ask about. And so much I can quickly lose sight of the spiritual needs and so quickly lose sight of God's purposes. If you think about your prayers this past week, as you reflect, were your prayers focused on God's purposes for the gospel to make it to the nations, for the gospel to change your friends and family members, for the gospel to change you? Were your prayers full of prayers about spiritual needs, for freedom from temptation's power over you, for forgiveness of your sins, for praying that for others? Did your prayers include trusting God as you prayed for physical needs of others? And friends, if you're like me, you realize, man, there's places where my prayers are falling short. What do you do? You pray about your prayers. You pray about those areas. You go, Lord, I, I confess my prayers have been dominated by physical needs, and I've lost those areas. God, would you stir my heart to pray like you've shown me to pray? If we see that, Lord, I'm praying for physical needs, but I'm not trusting you in them, God, grow my trust in your friends. If you see areas where you're falling short in your prayers, pray about it. God delights in you talking to him. God invites you to talk to him. This is you communing with him. And so God desires to grow your prayers and my prayers. So let's be a people as we could talk to God honestly about our shortcomings in prayer and ask him to grow us in it. Would you pray with me? Father, we are thankful for your word. God, we're thankful that you haven't left us wondering how to pray. I'm so thankful that one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And God, I pray that'd be my desire and the desire of these brothers and sisters, that we would have a hunger to say, Lord, grow us in how we pray privately. Grow us in how we pray with our friends. Grow us in how we pray around the dinner table as families. Lord, grow us in how we pray as the people of Gateway. Lord, teach us to pray. And Lord, I'm so grateful that you didn't just tell the disciples, go try harder or you should have this figured out by now. But you modeled it for them. 
You showed them what it looked like to pray for your purposes, for the gospel, for kingdom purposes. You showed them what it looked like to pray for physical needs from a place of trust. You showed them what it looked like to pray for spiritual needs also, not only get lost in the temporal. Lord, you have given us a beautiful reminder of the things for which we are to pray. And so I pray this week for myself and for these precious brothers and sisters that this week, Lord, we would grow in our prayers, not just for the things we normally pray about, but for spiritual needs and for your kingdom purposes. And you would be maturing us into a people who love, delight, and rejoice in asking you for things and seeing you move for your glory and for our joy. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song, our prayer back to the Lord for his grace. See him, we will know him. 
Instead of me praying on our behalf, I want us to pray the Lord's Prayer out loud together. Not just a mere reciting of the words, but thinking about the wonders of what we ask for. Now, before we do that, friends, sometimes in prayer, you need other people to pray with you. So if you're at a place that you need some prayer right now and someone to join you in your prayers, for whether it's physical needs or spiritual needs or God's kingdom to work in your life and the lives of others, I want some of our elders to be available to pray with you after the service. Greg's already right up front here. William's right here, and CJ's right back here, and he'll be up front. Grab any of us or any other elders or deacons or Sunday school leaders you know. We would love to pray with you about whatever it is that we take our request before the throne of the Lord. So I want us to read Matthew 6, 9 to 13 out loud. So we'll put the words up on the screen for us. Let's say this all out together. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, you have heard the prayer of your people. Now would you move for your glory and for our joy this week to answer that prayer. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Gateway family. Have a great Sunday afternoon.